Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 129 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle. This is the third episode. That's right, third episode of December 2014. And this is the Daikaiju discussion for Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Joining me in the studio, we have Mr. Brian Cook. Hey, what's up, everybody? And Mr. Martin Vavra. Hey, folks. And we are going to be getting right into it with a request from Patrick to hear Ultraman 80, uh, first edition, I think. This song is called Let's Go UGM.
の愛空に宇宙にあり続ける涙あふれて止まらないよ Let that play out. <laughs> Get that、uh, long outro in. So we started things off with、uh, Ultra song from Ultraman 80, requested by Patrick,、uh, listener to the show who lives in like the wilds of Canada, actually, British Columbia.、Uh, and I think he requested that because I believe Crunchyroll is playing Ultraman 80 now, which is yeah, pretty cool. That's cool. I have not seen a single. Episode of anything after Ultra Seven up until like Ultraman Tiga. So it's completely weird like that.、Yeah. And you even said like, oh, yeah, I, I can,、know. I can date this song. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just even from hearing it. <laughs> the next song was actually called Bakufu Slump by Myth. And that is actually from Gamera Guardian of the Universe. Because once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast showcases one film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one film to each month, ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. Actually, you know, now that we're、uh, at the end of 2014, there's only one. There's not even a full year left of the scheduled discussions. Wait, what?、Oh、yeah, yeah. What are we going to do?、Uh, we're going to reboot the discussions <laughs> and、uh, reschedule them out in chronological order. But the,、oh. the remainder of that year, we're going to add some more that are missing.、Uh, and whatever, however many months are left, we're going to run a poll and say, okay, what, what are the top most voted <laughs> I don't know how to speak. What are the <laughs> most voted、uh, movies that you want to redo the discussion? And they should be stuff that, you know, we won't cover for a long time. So、uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what people have to say about that. But anyway, that is beside the point.、Uh, this month we are talking about Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, or as it's known in Japan, Gamera Daikaiju Kuchu Kesen. 
which roughly translates to Gamera Giant Monster Mid-Air Battle. The film was released on March 11th, 1995, the same year as Godzilla vs. Destoroya. It was directed by Shusuke Kaneko and completely rewrites and essentially reboots the entire Gamera mythos. And Gamera turns 50 next year. Huzzah! Sweet. Wow. So we're going to go watch the movie, and we'll be right back. Island has been destroyed by giant birds. finished watching Gamera Guardian of the Universe, the 1995 reboot of the classic children's kaiju series. <laughs> uh, and uh, let's see, you know, we always start by saying who's seen this before. We've seen it. Uh, Brian, Brian and yeah. <laughs> I have. You had not seen this one, but you'd seen Gamera 2 and Gamera 3. No, I have seen this one before. Oh, you have? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. You and I watched all three of these. That's what I thought. I could have sworn I was like, no, man, I'm not going to let you watch Gamera 2 without watching Gamera and yeah. Guardian of the Universe. Uh, yeah, man, this is, a, is an exciting time to be alive for kaiju fans in 1995, <laughs> at least. Or 90, around 96 is when I even found out about it. Uh, so all of us have seen it before. And I would imagine I showed it to you subtitled. I've seen it dubbed. That's how I was yeah. introduced to it. Uh, and of course I've seen it subtitled ever since I had that available to me. Um, what was, uh, what your, were your initial thoughts? Although this is interesting because this is not your first time no, seeing it. This yeah. This is one of those random, very, uh, very few times where I've actually seen this one before. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoy these. I loved this whole trilogy when you introduced me to it. And as I remembered, they get, progressively better oh yeah after this one uh revenge of iris i remember being really good yeah yeah they all they all have very very strong points and they're actually i i, I have very little negative things to say about this so i don't know if i'm personally gonna have a lot of you know interesting talking points as far as like what did i like what didn't i like and, mm -hmm. and our normal kind of thing but this this uh I just I don't get a lot of negativity from from this movie or for yeah. this movie. Uh, a lot of fans had really great things to say about it too. So you saw it just a couple of years ago, then, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I mean, honestly, it you know when we when we get into the negative part, I can say stuff, but but I'd like to to be negative on this thing. I gotta dig. Like I gotta yeah. I gotta dig deep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, I could. It's this is almost like the. Um, 
uh, you know, any other movie that I love, like uh, Godzilla vs. The Thing, where it's like, there's so much good that it's, like, part of me doesn't even want to point out the bad, because it's like, well, right. that's just nitpicking, you know? <laughs> like, why? Well, I'm not going to pick on the movie just because it's got some flaws, but I do that for all the other ones, too, so I should probably man up and you know point out <laughs> point out the negativity uh brian in initial thoughts initial thoughts um it still holds up it still holds up very well uh i i'm a fan going back to when it first came out back in 95 um yeah it's just so good it's easily one of the best monster movies um it surpasses even the genre and i would put it on a list of my favorite films in general with everything because it's it's almost completely flawless as a movie i really really dig this one wow that's cool um i think the last three times i've watched this film and i've i've seen gamma guardian of the universe oh quite a lot actually uh because when it first came out i got a videotape screener from uh, a friend's friend who basically like hooked me up with one of the uh it was like a rental screener oh. and i was like oh my gosh this is awesome i watched it like so many times right when i first got it and then i have <laughs> then purchased the adv vhs <laughs> tapes the adv dvds bootleg versions of the japanese dvds uh and now i have the legit Thank God I didn't get the Japanese Blu-rays as well, <laughs> but I have the legit American releases of the of the Blu-ray discs. And I mean, this trilogy, obviously, I'm a huge fan. I think we all know. I have a <laughs> I started a website in the, the, the late '90s called The Shrine of Gamera. Uh, you know, it, this I think it's pretty obvious to me. Uh, it's pretty obvious to me, at least, and I don't know about people listening out there. This movie had a major impact on me as a as a Godzilla fan, as a kaiju fan. And you're going to hear this a lot in the homework. People who were like, oh, yeah, Gamera, that's kid stuff. And so I'm sure there were lots of people who didn't have high hopes for it when it was being announced, I guess. I, I actually was not really in the kaiju mindset when this film was announced. It was harder to be in in the kaiju world back then. With it was kind of, it wasn't pre-internet, but it was pretty close. And right. There was hardly anything at all, and very little information. So. Yeah, I think my first information I ever even heard about it was on G Fan, mm-hmm. um, and I had I started reading G Fan in the summer of '96. Mm-hmm. So. By the time I got a hold of it, it must have been around like late or maybe might have been early 97 uh, or maybe the summer of 97 because it was it was one of those things. Like I said, I got a screener of it and I was just blown away. And it was, it was really serendipitous the way that it even came to me because it was through a friend at, at work. I didn't, I was living yeah. in Portland at the time and I had no idea there were any sources locally for any kind of movies like this. And so this was just like, 
It almost just showed up. I almost didn't believe the guy. Okay, yeah, you'll bring the Gamera movie in tomorrow. Sure, cool. And then he shows up the next day with it, and I'm like, oh, my God. I <laughs> yeah. know exactly what I'm going to do after work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and it, this movie, I like it the least out of all three. But it absolutely... It's almost like Kaneko, Shusuke Kaneko, the director studied what makes monster movies good mm-hmm. and then said, we should do that and we should do that and we should do that. It's almost like what I was saying before the new Godzilla movie came out is that somebody should sit there and go through all the freaking Godzilla movies and then cherry pick the best things and then tweak it into a story. And even as I was watching this one, I was like, oh, that is kind of like the, you know, the original Godzilla. The first mm-hmm. attack is on an island. Yeah. It's got some horror feel to it. Uh, the scientists go to the island to investigate first. It's mm-hmm. just kind of, yeah, this got some great stuff in this film and it hits on a lot of absolutely, I would not say essential, but recognizable tropes, you know, things that, Nobody watching this movie goes, hmm, is this a giant monster movie? You know, it's very obvious from the get-go. Yeah. Even so far as them saying, like, we're delivering this plutonium across the ocean. Let's talk for a minute about how dangerous it is. (laughs) Hopefully nothing goes wrong. (laughs) Something went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. This is uh it's it's been a long time coming that we've you know been talking about the series for so long and now we're finally reviewing the film. Mm-hmm. Uh I I just really happy that we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So what what are some of your favorite parts or what are some of your favorite oh, aspects man. of this film? That's uh, you know there's yeah, I really enjoy this one. And like you said, this this is probably not my favorite of the trilogy. With that being said, the trilogy is pretty much above all the others. There's really good um, – well, there's really good – the model building, the sets and everything Ooh, they did are the so good in this one. They're really good. And one of the things that I noticed too, and I've tried to note it for myself and others, when things look very miniature – Mm-hmm. And it's about how they light the set and where shadow is, because usually a lot of times the sets are just far too, they're overlit. There's not any really good shadow. Um, and when they bring in the cameras and start filming them, depth of field mm-hmm. is kind of lost. Like it, nothing ever feels like it has real depth. And so that's when I usually go, okay, this, this feels like it's a miniature. This one shot really, really well, really, really well. And actually I had forgot the scene with Tokyo Tower. And I thought, wow, that was a pretty good After Effects job there, guys. You got uh, you got Gaios to circle it. Oh, no, that's actually really yeah. <laughs> yeah. the miniature, and yeah. they're wrecking it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's uh, Shinji Higuchi, the mm-hmm. special effects director for the trilogy. And he's been doing some consistent work throughout the decades, I guess. you, She's decades, because it's mm-hmm. been 20 years now, pretty much, since, since, this, since this film came out. Uh, so he's... He's still doing work. He's actually pretty praised as a as a special effects director in Japan right now. He's working on have you ever heard of Attack on Titan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so he's working on the live action 
movie. Oh, okay. That. I, that's yeah. what I was going to ask because I understood that was anime. So that's they're making a live action. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he's doing the at least the creature effects. I think he's doing the entire thing, but I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. Well, that was you know this whole thing was a it was an understanding of making really good sets and then having really good camera work that complemented what they did. Yeah, they definitely play to the strengths of like those low camera angles. Mm-hmm. And, and seriously, the, the, uh, the, what do you want to, how would you say this? It's the, the, they put something a little bit larger in the front and smaller in the back. Forced perspective. Forced perspective. Yeah. 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 They have that forced perspective thing going on a lot. I really love the, the miniature work yeah, and mm-hmm. the special effects in this film. They used a specific kind of lens as well that, uh, it actually required a lot of lighting for them to use that lens. So, uh, apparently parts of the set were catching on fire between takes. They had to like turn all the lights off and douse the set so that you know, oh, to so put the fires out and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Cause the amount of lighting they were using to film the miniatures was so bright. Yeah. That's wow. awesome. I would love to get an in-depth behind the scenes book about this trilogy in English. Mm. That would be great. That would be really Where did great. you find that out? Was that in a G fan? It was on, it was on the, uh, behind the scenes stuff here. On oh, the right, 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 right. That's right. how, and that's how they got those great sky shots. Mm-hmm that they did that's uh, they would have had to overlight everything else to yeah. get those good sky shots when they're shooting from the ground so nice yeah oh, man such a good good effort like excellent excellent like break through the door effort from mm-hmm. Kaneko's team here uh, and it really set the stage for the next two films but it also uh, absolutely influenced the way that not only we watch monster movies made after Gamera Guardian of the Universe, but also how monster movies were made after that film, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. like they took, they really did take like the best aspects of it. And there, there are, there are some flaws. I'll, I'll probably talk about some of those in a second, but you know, I think they learned from the mistakes for Gamera, too. And again, they learned from their mistakes and, you know, put out a fantastic effort in Gamera 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I brought a stack of G fans over from 95 and 96 and in it, it, it's just the fan reaction to Gamera from the time period is so insane. Like so over the top, everyone loved it. And you can tell that the, the groundwork is already laid. The Godzilla series has to answer back. The Gamera series is now like something everyone's looking forward to, to, to read it from the time period of 90, 96, 97, th- those years. Really interesting, especially because as well, at that time, as fans, we were waiting for the TriStar Godzilla. Right, with, with, right. You know, open minds and open <laughs> open arms <clears throat> and open so. hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, my my reaction to this film, obviously, like I said, that spurred me into creating a website about it. Which at first it was just taking news items from. Uh, uh, Monster Zero News or whatever that was called. I think it was just called Godzilla News at the time. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's inspiring because if you watch the Heisei movies and you just get excited because it's a Godzilla film, you kind of forget that they're in a sense phoning it in. Uh, or really, I guess what I would rather say instead of phoning it in is that Toho was having trouble really keeping the interest of the audiences and really consistently doing a good job. 
Um, I mean, the, that series, that era just has massive spikes and massive lows as far as, you know, how great the movies are or how yeesh the movies are. And so they got very yeah. addicted to a formula. Yeah. And this movie does not, while it has a lot of genre trappings, mm-hmm. it does not fall into the formula because all of the Heisei Godzilla films at a certain point, you knew where you were in the movie just by, you know, oh, we're at this scene in the movie. Like mm-hmm. all of the Heisei movies kind of have that. For better or worse, sometimes it works really well, like you say, the peaks and valleys. And then sometimes, like Space Godzilla, it kind of falls apart, you know, so. Yeah. What was your favorite aspect of this film? Well, man, it's, I don't know. It's tough, isn't it? (laughs) There's so many to think about. When you were just talking about uh, its effect on you and, you know, wanting to make the website and everything, it uh, it had a huge impact on on me as well. And we'll get to a little bit, a different perspective maybe later on. But uh, Without a doubt. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I guess, should I just lay it out now? I guess. Uh, actually, I think what we should do is we'll talk about that specific. When we get to it. When we get to it, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Um, We've got a loose plan here, folks. <laughs> We're going to stick to it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man, it's it's hard to narrow down exactly what the best aspect was. The miniature work really blew me away. Because when I was watching it in 95, I was like, you know, I was expecting something from the Heisei Godzilla movies I was expecting the Gamera movie to be similar, but I didn't think it was going to just kind of blow it out of the water a little bit. Mm-hmm. If not, maybe not blow it out of the water, that might be going too far. Maybe just seeing it in a different way, seeing the model work that closely, they they had a lot of courage in putting the camera right next to their miniatures. And I love it. I really love that that kind of you know, courageousness of filmmaking. Um, a lot of filmmakers will probably shy away from showing the miniature work, but I mean, it's so strong. It looks so cool. It just totally works, completely works. So, yeah, I think it's, that's one of those things that they found a formula in the good sense. Like this is something that we've done successfully. So we're going to continue doing that because you see that same thing, in the future episodes as well. Mm-hmm. The future installments of Gavin yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and just say that if I had to choose one aspect of the film uh, that that I liked the best, it would be that my initial reaction in 1997 was just like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, like, and just the impact that it had on me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, there's <laughs> so many things I could talk about that are awesome. I mean, I love everything from the fact that there's a gigantic bird poop, uh, <laughs> all the way to the, like, uh, the editing. The editing in this film is fantastic. The, mm-hmm. there's a scene where they, um, they say something about moving a spotlight, uh, or they're just moving a spotlight around trying to see what's going on when Gamera first attacks. And then, then they cut to the, um, they cut to the special effects footage and the spotlights that are there searching through the dust and debris. And it's just freaking seamless Mm -hmm. sometimes. It's just so, such an amazing, uh, an amazing film with great footage from both, uh, their, uh, primary and secondary shooting units. It's mm-hmm. just really 
Excellent. I, I should probably think about negative things because otherwise I'm just going to wax poetic <laughs> about it all night long. Uh, go ahead, you though. <laughs> Give me some. You said you had already had some, maybe tiny nitpicks about. Yeah, and uh, you know they are. It it's really like I would have to. It would really be digging. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna just admit that these are really having to try. You know, just a uh, moment. Basically, uh, Gamera and Gauss are heading toward the atmosphere, and and uh, Gauss isn't flapping his wings. Or her oh, wings, yeah. maybe at that point yeah. in time. You know, suddenly she's rocket powered, but there's no rocket or anything like that, no jets or anything. Uh, and I guess it, this will probably answer itself. It must have been that when Gamera was injured by the Gauss beam, that was when Asagi got wounded, but not by anything else, because clearly when Gamera was blowing up at the refinery, that didn't affect her. So I think it must have only been. The the beam weapon is the only thing that caused her fire. To fire does not harm Gamera. Right. Well. Okay. So there <laughs> yeah. you go. Yeah. Did, well, and I guess it didn't harm him. I. Uh, so yeah, that connects that. But but that, that's also. I mean, not to not to get uber nerdy about this because people don't want to hear that. I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, I mean, even in the original Gamera movie, like the very first one, Gamera is uh absorbing fire and you know uh, like you know that never that did ago. not sink into me so I, there's a lot lot of people are like oh god that guy's talking again <laughs> no <laughs> everybody loves hearing your opinions dude uh i think really it's just one of those things where you know what what can hurt gamma and clearly conventional weaponry has some sort of effect on gamma and then your science fiction beams from the mouths of uh, and, and eye sockets of, of his <laughs> opponents, I guess you could say. Uh, there is something that I wanted to mention, just because I want to make sure we get it in here. According to Toho Kingdom, Gamera Guardian of the Universe's budget was $4,500,000. And the closest movie that we, uh, that we know to to Gamera in the Godzilla universe is actually Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, which had a budget of $10 million. So roughly wow. half the budget. Wow. And I mean roughly half the budget. Wow. Uh, and then the budget so Go- again Godzilla for Destroya is $10 million too. Final Wars didn't have a bigger budget? Oh, no, no, no. We're talking about Final Wars is much later. Oh, okay. You're, you're looking at yeah. it in, the, in that time. We're talking about area. like right okay. around the time. So like gotcha. Okay. The budget for Gamera was $4 million, What did I say? $4,500,000? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I just kind of leapt over to that one. Yeah. Wow, it seemed like they spent more money. No, sure. the budget for Godzilla Final Wars is ab- abysmally high yeah. for what you got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but still, nowhere close to yeah. an American, you yeah. know, Hollywood production. Man. But but yeah, so I mean, that's it. If you think about the amount of money that was being spent at Toho mm-hmm. on a Godzilla movie, uh, and we'll just use Space Godzilla as the example here. Uh, which a lot of people would say was unsuccessful, not just in box office receipts, but also in terms of like making awesome miniature work, uh, awesome special effects, making it believable. So you didn't have to really crank up to your suspension of disbelief. <laughs> Godzilla versus Space Godzilla is just one of those ones that really is close to the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. So for, 
this movie to have come out on the on the heels of Space Godzilla, I would say that maybe that's why, and I'm not sure if it is or not, but maybe that's why Toho sort of like pushed a little harder for Godzilla versus Destroya, even though that movie yeah. still has a lot of flaws. Uh, it's just, I, I can't imagine being a kaiju fan in Japan at that time. I would have been completely flabbergasted, <laughs> you know? The got the Gamera series, it's schlocky fun mm-hmm. in the seventies, sixties movies. Yeah. I mean, there's you can't take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. It's just I I would imagine people in Japan at that time were like, oh, this will be fun, nice little you know homage to the old stuff, and then they walked out of the theater and were like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just I I don't know. Okay, so let me let me think of something negative that I would. Did you have something, Brian? I have not contributed okay. anything negative quite yet. I could go with uh, one thing that tends to get under my skin is the the constant military scenes. It uh, it's a genre trapping, of course. You do need a little bit of it, and like you said, you'd have to try really hard to nitpick about this movie because I don't watch the movie and walk away from it thinking like, oh, there was too much of this or that. I never right, thought that right. once. I, it didn't bother me at all. But, I mean... <laughs> Speaking of genre traveling, trappings uh, and tropes, they totally had, like, military um, stock footage in that in, yes. in this movie, yeah. too. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, again, like you guys, nothing that I'm about to say really bothers me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie. Um, <clears throat> I'd say one thing is that the effects, even though this movie does hold up as a whole entry, the effects don't hold up as much as I'd like them to. Obviously, the CGI looks very CGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff like the fly, camera flying, they did, I mean, improved it by leaps and bounds in the next two mm-hmm. films. In fact, uh, the way Gamera flies uh-huh. in Gamera 2 is probably, uh, I mean, it, it would have been my favorite if they didn't even just blow that out of the water in Gamera 3. But, yeah. you know, the way he does it in this movie, it's almost like he's surfing through mm-hmm. the air, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> you could <laughs> play that, uh, that surf rock song the, from the moons, like, yeah. Uh, as as he just sort of like skirts through the sky with his rear two jets, <laughs> but I, I mean, but really, it's not that nothing is that bad. Yeah, you wouldn't think about those kind of things at all if there weren't the other two films. You wouldn't be able to nitpick like, oh, oh no. this got better. This, you know, this wasn't as good. Not in at all. Yeah. So it it's really hard to to find negativity in this movie. And if I saw this movie in 1995, I wouldn't, I would have walked out of that film and said like, that was the perfect kaiju mm-hmm. film right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Ah, so good. <laughs> so good. So nothing negative. We have nothing. Negative I don't really say. have anything negative to <laughs> yeah. say. I mean, yeah. like nitpick stuff, like it's a, sometimes it's a little noticeable that there mm-hmm. are, you know, different puppets and suits, you know, but you could say that about Godzilla films too. Yeah. You know, it's just, you you were right earlier on, and it, it was a point I was going to make, which was he had the understanding of what made the monster movies good, what right. made these kaiju films really good, but also knew how to make a good film. 
and was able to put those together and hit all of the beats that they needed to and bring all the things in that people go, wow, I love all of these aspects of it and be able to have all of that. There's really not a dead spot in this one. There almost every single one of these I watch. It's like, oh, I'm in that spot now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one just doesn't have that. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is one of those rare instances where the, the sequels keep getting better. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, I don't know. I don't know what more to say about this movie. I mean, it's just so easy to share my love for the film, especially since I I have such a long history, particularly mm-hmm. with the Gamera series. Uh, I'm just really happy that we have it on Blu-ray. We have it available. I mean, this is you can buy this on iTunes mm-hmm. to watch it on your computer. I bought yeah. Gamera 3 on iTunes <laughs> for no reason, you know, just to have another copy of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you, I, I, without a doubt, this movie is probably close to the top of the list for films that I would show a kaiju newbie, mm-hmm. you know, someone who had never seen a giant monster movie before. This would be up there. I don't, I don't know if it would be first. I definitely, you know what I would say is this is definitely a film to show someone if they are only familiar with the mystery science theater stuff. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. This, if somebody's like, oh, you know, I, I saw camera spinning on the pole, you know, doing the flips on the pole or, yeah. you know, fighting the the, the shark the monster. Yeah, yeah exactly. The yeah. <laughs> then you could say, oh, I have this for you. In fact, I'm a little disappointed, not in her, but uh, I'm a little disappointed that she's sick tonight. But uh, my girlfriend was, has never seen these films and I was, I've been like, oh, you've got to see this. I can't wait for this to cover this. I really wanted her to be a part of the podcast. But uh, unfortunately, uh, her immune system had other plans. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's move into final thoughts. Uh, I do think this would be a great first kaiju film. I would not follow it up with Gamera 2 and 3 because I think they're too good and I think you need to be able to have a few other things. Your expectations would be set far too high. <laughs> Buffer them. But yeah, so, yeah. yeah, go back. Don't hit a space Godzilla on your second one, but, you know, do a GMK. Right. Uh, but, yeah, really, uh, you know, I, I enjoy this one. And I remember how much I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. And now I've got the anticipation of seeing the other two again. And, uh, yeah, it's just really great. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it, this is the movie that I suggest to people, uh, whenever, like when Pacific Rim came out and when the most recent Godzilla came out, people would ask me what I, what other thing they should seek out. This is the number one thing. Just so I point them at Gamma Guardian the Universe. If they like that, there's other places to go from there. You know, like you said, the whole trilogy, even you said GMK as well. Uh, I don't know if you were thinking it this way or not, but that's Shinji Higuchi in, uh, Shishuke Kaneko as well. So yeah, exactly. it's, you know, same yep. teams and everything. It's that, that Godzilla movie almost acts like an, a beautiful epilogue to the already well-made trilogy, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. and just perfect, perfect, perfect monster movie. Awesome. So high marks from the Kaiju cast crew. Uh, I think it's time to move on to our listener homework. We did get, uh, one audio submission in from Benjamin Erickson. And then we'll move into our remaining ones. 
Godzilla's return in the 80s reinvigorated the franchise, in no small part by bringing him back to his terrifying roots. In 1995, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, did much the same for the titular Terrapin. However, Shusuke Kaneko's film did so by returning Gamera to roots that, in a matter of speaking, he never actually had. No longer just a benevolent behemoth from a bygone era, this Gamera was a bioengineered marvel, the last remnants of ancient Atlantean might. His erstwhile life, as friend to all children, still remnant in the psychic link with young Asagi Kusanagi, Gamera is out to restore the balance broken by the awakening of the Gaios. The winged beasts, now reworked as another, earlier Atlantean experiment gone terribly awry, brought the perfect menace to the story. And having there be a colony of creatures that started out relatively small and possessed a distinct appetite for flesh, the film amped up the menace early. Instead of being crushed by rubble or vaporized by an energy beam, you were likely to meet your end where their digestive tract began. On the technical side, I thought the film looked great. Special effects director Shinji Higuchi and his staff did a great job and made the film stand toe-to-toe with the Toho pictures that preceded it and even some of those that would follow into the next decade. The suits and puppets looked fantastic, and for all the charm the Showa versions of Gamera and Gaios had, these had the organic countenance of flesh-and-blood creatures. Additionally, the composition was superb, and the sparing but effective use of then-burgeoning CGI helped make well-crafted creatures and miniatures pop. Mine eyes were not the only things pleased by the spectacle. My ears were as well. You see, years after watching Guardian of the Universe for the first time, I would become a big fan of anime titles such as Gundam Wing and Outlaw Star, of which Kootani's memorable scores were big parts. As such, it was nice to re-recognize his familiar style when watching this movie in the present. Now while I could further wax on about this great film, I'd rather end by saying that Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, is an important film to the genre. Director Shusuke Kaneko, writer Kazunori Ito, and the rest of the crew took a monster from the JV squad with a sometimes bizarre filmography and shot him straight to the top of the heap. This movie, as well as the trilogy it started, is assigned viewing for any fan of these kinds of movies, and it's definitely one that may sway the favors of the uninitiated. You know, uh, one of the things we didn't talk about was the score, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, but uh, Kotani's score in this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's actually probably another one of those things. It gets better as the, as the films go on, because I, I can actually sit down and listen to the entire Gamera 3 score, just uh, track 1 all the way through track 30 whatever, however mm-hmm. many there are on there. It's just really, really awesome. Uh, and actually, I will absolutely admit that I wish I had spoken a little bit more about uh, other composers at G-Fest when we did our The Sound of Monsters panel, and Koatani definitely should have deserved more mm-hmm. time. I think one of the future episodes we should probably do in the, you know, down the line would be dedicated to each individual, like, you know, an, an oh. episode dedicated to a composer. That would and, be excellent. And then we'll do, like, we'll get more information on Koatani and actually have an episode dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. Nice. It'd be cool, man. All right. So anyway, moving on, we also, uh, unfortunately, Stephen was unable to send in his homework via audio, so I'm going to just read it here. Growing up in the 60s, Gamera was always a guilty pleasure for Steven. Even as a kid, he had some trouble with the idea of a flying, spinning, giant turtle, but that didn't stop him from loving these films the few times he could catch them, 
and for some reason, it seemed to be rare in places where he was living to see those films, even on television. Or at least he seemed to keep missing them. However, until he saw them again being presented by the Mystery Science Theater 3000 crew, he really couldn't watch them anymore as an adult. But that all changed with Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. He got the triple Blu-ray set of this new Gamera trilogy shortly after he got around to watching Pacific Rim, finally on the home video this earlier this year. If Pacific Rim reawakened in a big way the sleeping giant of Steven's love for kaiju movies, then Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, reaffirmed it, cemented it, and made sure it would never go back to sleep. This movie got just about everything right when it comes to giant monster movies. While there was some humor, it took itself mostly seriously, and all to the good. The practical effects were great, the use of some optical effects enhanced it, and even the dollops of CGI didn't hurt the film. If anything, the only thing that he thought was just a slight minus for the film was the score was a little bit overdone in places. It was not a bad score, but it was just a little bit overscored. I would agree with that. Like, the, we were talking about the stock footage earlier. Like, right in the beginning, you've got the stock footage of the boats mm-hmm. charging through the water, and it's a very... Dun, 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 dun. It's yeah. a very, very powerful score. <laughs> Uh, anyway, nevertheless, that did not take away any enjoyment during Steven's first two viewings. The monster suits and the suit acting was also just perfect. The characters of the monsters, as well as the human characters and their story arc, just works so well. The direction, special effects work, miniatures, production values, really everything was about as good as it gets for this kind of old-school kaiju ega. This movie sets a new high bar for giant monster movies, the bar that Toho Studios only briefly touched on in the Millennium Godzilla series, and if anything, the best of those featured the director of this, do the math. This movie began what was to be a peak for Steven in his Kaiju Ego watching experience, and it only got better with each of the three films in this trilogy, peaking with the final one. But he'll save those remarks for when we get to them in a future episode. Just as a footnote, Steven also liked the movie Gamera the Brave, just not as much as these three. Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, also reawakened his affection for even those old clunky Gamera movies. He can at least watch a few of those now, even without the MST3K crew, and enjoys them all over again. While they're nowhere near as good as this, the legacy aspect of it really helps you appreciate them. Without those, we wouldn't have this one. He would definitely use this movie to ignite the flame of love for this kind of film for a newbie. Five out of five giant flaming flying turtles. This is a favorite film for many kaiju fans, Scott included, and it's easy to see why. The director, Shusuke Kaneko, gave the film a fresh look and modern sensibilities while still respecting the character's heritage and the history of the genre. Gamera, Guardian of the Universe sets the stage for a series that introduces the mythology and history of this world, several interesting and appealing characters, and unique point of view. While some of the early computer effects don't hold up well, they serve their purpose and add some anime-inspired dynamism to many of the shots to complement the model work, which is quite good. The flying effects for the Gauss are credible, but not great, certainly up to 21st century standards. Still, an admirable effort to take a difficult character film in miniature. 
The scenes of Gamera in the city and at the refinery more than make up for the earlier shortcomings. The model work and pyrotechnics are spectacular. What's amazing is that as good as this film is, the series only gets better, culminating one of the best kaiju movies ever, Gamera Revenge of Iris. It's interesting to note that when Kaneko was given a Godzilla film to direct, 2001 GMK, it had a similar flavor and theme to the Gamera trilogy. The power and scale of these creatures is truly awe-inspiring, and while this is a theme prominent in the genre, it is the Gamera Heisei trilogy that is best realized. Four out of five mysterious glowing comma-shaped runes. Those are actually real things. They're called magatama, and they're just comma-shaped jewels. You can buy them on, on like Etsy and oh, wow. and uh, and stuff. I actually have a uh, I don't want to say replica, but I have a life-size like one from Iwakura or something like that. Nice. Eric says that Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, is undoubtedly one of the best kaiju films ever. After fulfilling nearly every negative stereotype about kaiju movies, Gamera returned in a serious trilogy in 1995. The redesigns of Gamera and his mortal enemy Gaios were very cool. Gaios in particular grabbed his attention with the new, very predatory and cool look. Additionally, the human characters were actually very interesting. The closest we got to an interesting human in the Heisei Godzilla movies was Miki Segusa. And let's face it, her plot lines never went anywhere. Also, the movie sent across a message that we all need to be careful with the limited resources we have on our planet. There's a very good scene where two of our characters are in a bar and one brings up how the Atlanteans never should have been foolish enough to create Gaios. When the other character encounters counters by saying that all of the dangerous things that we put on this earth will be around for a long time as well. So we got an environmental message without being beat over the head with it. We're looking at you, Mothra. So, <laughs> although it pains Eric to admit this, the Gamera films of the Heisei era uh, were in near every way superior to the Godzilla films. This one is just too awesome. Oh, and we have a very special... Uh entry here into the Daikaiju discussion. Tony, Brian's brother, was excited by the news that we were reviewing 1995's Gamera Guardian of the Universe in this episode, and he wanted to share the story of how his brother, our own Kaiju cast member, Brian Cook, yay, and he discovered this movie. This is the only time I think I've ever read anything in first person. So you tell me if I'm doing a good impersonation of your brother, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Tony says, On a road trip to Dallas, Texas, in 1995, we visited the first 24-screen Megaplex to open in North America, AMC Theater's Grand 24, on its premiere weekend. While the latest Die Hard entry was the planned movie to see, we were surprised to find that Gamera was playing. At this point in those pre-internet days, though, we were kaiju fans, we had no idea a new Gamera series had been launched. Our expectation was that we were going to see the 1965 original, possibly. Imagine our shock, awe, and surprise to stumble on this all-new and totally great new Gamera movie. This movie continues to hold a special place for me in the world of kaiju ega, and I hope Brian will tell you about his memories of this great trip in this podcast. <laughs> that was a good impression. 
<laughs> I didn't realize your brother sounded so much like me. <laughs> I was just kidding. <clears throat> um, yeah, man, that was. Uh, we looked in the paper and it, it said Gamera. That's all it said in the newspaper, and we were like, "Well, let's go see it. It's Gamera." We thought we were going to see the 1965 black and white Gamera. We just we weren't going to pass up the opportunity to see it. We get there, and then there was a person from Dai handing out programs, and they handed us this program with the image that's on your shirt right now, which is the Gamera poster, and my jaw just hit the floor. I was like, what? And I looked through it, and it was in color, and it was a new movie. I was floored, absolutely floored. We just looked at each other kind of in shock, like, this is a new Gamera movie, and wow. Uh, it blew our minds. We were, at the time, we were keeping up with Godzilla bootlegs, but, uh, we had no clue about that Gamera movie. We saw it just completely blew our minds. We went back home to St. Louis and immediately went to comic book shops, found a G fan, bought a subscription. We ended up going to that convention that year, which was like their second ever G Fest. Like, it really, the way you said it was an important movie for you about, like, creating the website and how it connected you, I have the exact same feeling, man. It just connected me to the fandom and is so important as well. Like, just such an important and awesome movie. And my brother and I were really lucky to have seen it. We were huge, and still to this day, both of us are huge kaiju movie fans. And that one will just always be at the top of the list because of that great memory. In addition to being just an excellent film, it is just such an excellent and strong memory for me and my brother. So do me a favor, if you can. Uh, this says you guys were there in 1995, which is the same year it came out in mm -hmm. Japan. So what was the time frame that you guys were... Uh, like, when was it at the theater? Was it the summertime? Was it the... I would imagine it wasn't in March or, or April. Right. I have that in one of my G fans here. Hang oh, on a really? Second. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no problem. <clears throat> I have a st Like I said, I have a stack of G fans that I brought. Okay, here it is. The article is from the... It is from G fan number 16, everyone. <laughs> so, it's probably... I bet there's probably been about 200 or more G fans since then. But the July-August 1995 issue of G-Fan has a little blurb about how Gamera is coming to theaters in Indonesia, Texas, and Cannes. So, one, we asked the Dai guy, and he said that it was kind of an international print of the movie, uh -huh. which is what I actually saw later as a bootleg. I would see that subtitled version of the film, like, as a bootleg being sold places. But that was the print that we saw, uh, and yeah, it played... The, the article here mentions Grand 24 and even their gourmet cinema, which was their way of making six of the movies they were playing, art house films or foreign films. But yeah, Dallas, uh, Indonesia, and Cannes is the only places that, uh, or not the only places, but the original places that that particular international print played with English subtitles. So incredibly, incredibly rare showing for us to have caught that. But yeah, it was May 95, which was the same opening weekend as Die Hard with a Vengeance, everyone. Nice. Nice. Wow, that's really cool. They brought it to the theater really quickly. 
or the you know i understand yeah. it's like an international kind of like let's get this out there right hitting all four corners of the world probably right that's awesome man uh and check this out Mike says that it's hard to believe that Gamera Daikaiju Kuchu Kesen is almost 20 years old. Someone born when this film was first released would now be old enough to drive, vote, and serve in the military. All the centerfold, because this is Mike, and he always does this kind of thing to me. All the centerfolds in this year's Playboy subscription were infants when this movie <laughs> came out. Now consider that Hef could be Mike's granddad, and he'll just stop there before he gets into trouble. Mike was lucky enough to see a 35mm subtitled print of this film on the big screen a few weeks after its Japanese premiere, the first of the giant multiplexes which had now taken over the film-going landscape of this country opened its doors in Dallas in 1995, wow. and through sheer kaiju luck, a subtitled print of Gamera ran their opening week. He saw it three times. Wow! Is there a chance that Mike was in the auditorium with me and my brother? I'd say there's probably a chance. Wow, that's crazy. He has never liked this movie's international title, Guardian of the Universe. Heck, Guardian of the Earth is pushing it, more like Guardian of Japan. Do these people even realize how big the universe is? And since there's pretty much nothing outside of the universe, where... Where would a threat to it even be coming from? It's going to take a heck of a lot more than some giant monsters to pose a menace to stars, solar systems, galaxies, etc. Folks need to read more Carl Sagan and Stephen Hawking. This movie has so many talking points, from the inclusion of Steven Seagal's daughter to all the famous over there cameos, to sticking Kojiro Hongo and Akira Kubo in the same scene. Suffice to say that although... Time may have been a little unkind to some of the visuals that dazzled us way back when. This flick still holds up and had an effect on every example of Japanese fantasy that came after it. From Godzilla to the Ultra series to the live action space battleship Yamato and all points in between. For a brief period, Kaneko, Ito, Higuchi, and Otani were a team to rival Honda, Tsuburaya, Tanaka, and Ifukube. Something that should be addressed is what a good job the film does at making us root for Gamera to win, especially in the film's first half. We're introduced to Gauss as those really nasty people-eating things that are huge and menacing. Then Gamera makes his first appearance, dwarfing these critters in size and power. He smacks one of the Gauss into the oil refinery with a relative ease, showing it who's boss, and the audience cheers its approval. Not only do we love Gamera, but we also hate and fear Gauss, even while admiring the monster's aesthetic beauty. That's a tough thing to pull off, but this team did it. Subsequent entries in the series would only improve on this film, but they would have been unable to reach the heights that they did without the excellent groundwork to build on laid down here. Kojiro Hongo and Akira Kubo in the same scene, their famous cameos. He's the other captain at the beginning. Yeah, uh, Hongo was, um, he's the guy that was in, good lord, he's in so many movies. Uh, you said they were mostly Dai films? Yeah, he was in Gamera vs. Baragon, mm. Barugon, excuse me, Wrath of Daimajin, Gamera vs. Gauss, Gamera vs. Veras, and, uh, Journey with Ghosts Along the Tokaido Road. Oh. Uh, highway. Is that Along with Ghosts? Yeah, Along here? with Ghosts, or, uh, yeah. So he's, I mean, he's basically, yeah. he's been in a lot of those movies. He's definitely a kaiju actor. Had you seen the original Gamera movies when you saw this one? 
I had seen the ones on Mystery Science Theater 3000, but never, yeah. never without the subtitles. Wow. Or sorry, never without, without the, riffing. the without the yeah. riffing without the crew. I think I'd seen them on like Laserdisc once, mm-hmm. and I was like, Psh, without Mystery Science Theater, I can't sit through these old gamer movies. But now I have though. Yeah. So. Right on. Joey saw Gamera Guardian of the Universe on his Blu-ray collection of the trilogy and considers it one of his favorite kaiju films. The film was perfectly paced and the build-up to Gamera was so good that he even cheered when Gamera first showed up. The special effects were for the most part on par or better than the Toho effects at the time. Rest in peace, Kawakita. Joey gives it a 9 out of 10 exploded Gaios and would show it to a kaiju newbie. As a child, Ian never really got to see Heisei Gamera films, so this was his first time watching it. Initial thoughts? A great kaiju flick. It had just the right mix of kaiju action and human drama that was entertaining the whole way through. Not only that, but it had some aspects that he really enjoyed, such as Asagi's connection to Gamera and the fantasy-esque elements of Gamera and Gaios's origin, that pretty much their origin in general. The suit acting also seemed to stand out. There weren't that many negative things that could be said about the film. In all, it was a fun film to watch, and no doubt he'll be watching the second one soon. Nine Gamera Screeches out of ten. Adam notes that Daiei Studios introduced Gamera to the world in 1965. In Daikaiju Gamera, known as Gamera the Invincible here in the U.S., after the release of the seventh installment, Gamera vs. Zegra, in 1971, Financial troubles at Daiei brought an end to the series. A feeble attempt to revive the character in 1980 with a film built around stock footage, Super Monster Gamera was unsuccessful. In 1995, with the Heisei Godzilla series doing moderately well in the box office, Daiei decided to dust off Gamera and try to make him popular again. Most kaiju fans greeted the announcement of a new Gamera film in 1995 with skepticism, anticipating either a cheap imitation of Toho's recent Godzilla movies or a campy juvenile adventure in the style of the 1960s series entries. Director Shusuke Kaneko and writer screenwriter Kazunori Ito surprised the skeptics by instead crafting a film that was both an homage to the vintage kaiju films and an imaginative reinvention of the Gamera character. Their fondness for the genre is clear from the opening scene, a mysterious encounter between two ships and the floating atoll that recalls countless monster films of the past, and features cameo appearances by kaiju veterans Akira Kubo and Kojiro Hongo as the ship's captains. Later scenes of the military battling the monsters take place at such familiar settings at Mount Fuji and Tokyo Tower, similarly echoing the kaiju classic epics of the 1950s and 60s. Although Kaneko and Ito are respectful of the genre's past, they are fortunately not slaves to its conventions, and much of what makes Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, feel fresh is their willingness to abandon much of the established Gamera formula. Gamera is still a good guy fighting to defend mankind, but he's no longer tagging along after little kids like a faithful family dog. For all its innovative ideas, the greatest weakness of the film is perhaps that Kaneko and Ito did not go far enough in their genre uh, revisionism. The success of this film would embolden the pair to experience with the formula even more in the sequels, but in this first film, they don't manage to completely escape the cliches and traditional weaknesses of kaiju films. The human characters are paper-thin and not particularly engaging. As in the old Gamera films, the story is structured around three major monster battles, a preliminary bout which Gamera wins, 
a rematch in which the enemy wounds Gamera and Gamera's final victory. This structure became predictable and tired in the original series, and it's hard to tell if its reuse here was motivated by a desire to follow tradition or a simple paucity of imagination. Several scenes of the military opposing Gamera from the belief that he is the greater menace feel like padding, and we grow impatient for them to learn what we now know from the start, that Gamera is a good guy. Of course, the true star of any kaiju film is the special effects, and here, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, delivers. Director of special effects Shinji Higuchi shows a willingness to experiment with different techniques, including CGI and filming miniatures in natural sunlight, to accomplish the effects and create a unique and dynamic style. He brings a lot of brisk energy to the staging of the monster scenes and knows how to build sequences for maximum impact. Inevitably, not every shot is a complete success, with some miniatures looking a little under-detailed and the lighting sometimes revealing rubbery texture of the monster suits. Nonetheless, considering the limited budget Iguchi was given, a fraction of what Toho spent on their Godzilla films, his accomplishments are impressive. As for the musical score, Ko Otani does a solid job with the soundtrack. Otani crafts a great main title theme and also a perfect heroic-like theme for the title character. The theme for the collapse of Tokyo Tower is also perhaps too good, being a career highlight for a sequence which is a footnote in the film as a whole. Daiei really showed how to do a monster reboot right, succeeding where other monsters often failed while borrowing judiciously from some of those same sources to make something special, despite the minor rankling annoyances of some thin characterizations and poorly explained mythology. Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, a.k.a. Daikaiju Kuchu Kesin, while not a perfect movie, is still quite definitely one of the greatest movies ever. James thinks Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, is an amazing kaiju flick. He says the theme of mysticism surrounding Gamera and Gaios is a nice breath of fresh air from the traditional origin stories of kaiju. He thinks his special effects are spectacular. The amazing effects coupled with the film's darker tone makes for an excellent combination. James says the soundtrack is nothing short of amazing due to its being different from most kaiju soundtracks. He remembers as a kid first seeing the film, and his mind was blown when Gamera and Gaios flew into space during the climatic fight. James gives Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, four crushed buildings out of five. Gary says Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, is a must-see for any kaiju fan. 9.99 out of 10. Nuff said. No, really, nothing else to say. Gary's son, Kyle, says that in his opinion, it is the best Gamera film of all time. It has the best special effects and a great story. The new design of Gamera is my favorite of all the designs, he says. It is dark and fun as well. Of course, he would show this to a newcomer into the kaiju world. 10 out of 10. Anthony almost feels bad at times when he tells others about the Gamera 90s trilogy. He has proudly proclaimed in more than one occasion to be a huge Godzilla fan, but can't help but say that these three movies are the best kaiju films that came out of the 90s. He can't help but praise these three films for being a cut above the traditional kaiju genre, especially when you take a moment to look back at the comically campy movies The Giant Turtle was in during the Showa period. Despite that, he has a yearly tradition of watching the trilogy and seeing its flaws and problems repeatedly. It still holds up as some of his favorite kaiju movies. Sorry, Godzilla. The modernization to Gamera makes nods to his origins by presenting him as both a destructive force and a defender, all in the same film, by showcasing that he just happens to destroy everything that's in his way on his path to kill the Gauss, even though he has his best intentions in mind. 
A recent fact that has been pointed out about this trilogy is that no one ever calls Gamera a turtle. In fact, the Gamera director, Shusuke Kaneko, has apparently gone on record saying that in his Gamera universe, there are no turtles, and that is why he is never referred to as such. The star of this movie is young Ayako Fujitani. In her first acting role, it shows a lot of devotion for the giant kaiju. Her devotion puts her on the list of some of the best females in the kaiju series, if not one of the best human characters in all of giant monster movies. Also, another interesting fact, she is Steven Seagal's daughter. Gauss's new look for the trilogy is incredibly more menacing than most other evil kaiju. Sure, bad guys like King Ghidra or Megalon will fly around and destroy buildings with their blasts, but they aren't nearly as intimidating as a gluttonous monster who has pieces of its victims falling out of its mouth as it struggles to chew. This, coupled with the fact that the creature can asexually reproduce, much like the 90s Godzilla, and predating the 90s Godzilla, I might add. Oh, wait, but this was still after uh, Jurassic Park, right? Jurassic Park was 94. Yeah, Jurassic Park did that. And Jurassic Park also has the poop scene, which this movie kind of rips off. Oh, yeah, that does, the Triceratops. Anyway, so this coupled with the fact that the creature could asexually reproduce, much like the 90s Godzilla, makes them a force truly to be afraid of. Probably one of Anthony's favorite moments of this film is the atmospheric re-entry struggle between Gamera and Gauss. The measures that Gauss takes to escape from his eminent demise is truly impressive. If you can't tell by now, he highly recommends this film and its two sequels. And that was also an homage to the very uh, first appearance of Gauss in Gamera Mm. vs. Gauss. He severs his own leg to get away from Gamera. Yep. Steve was almost 100% positive that a lot of people are going to weigh in on this movie. His contention, however, is that while one of the greatest film trilogies ever made in the history of cinema, most fans point to part two and three as their favorite, or the best of the trilogy. While he is in no way dissing parts two and three, for they are great films in one of the greatest film trilogies ever in the long and and storied history of cinema, Steve is here to praise the virtues and triumphs that are part one, Guardian of the Universe. It is one of his favorite gateway kaiju films, using it to introduce non-fans to the kaiju genre. It's really got it all, including the promise of greater things to come, a promise which is delivered with the rest of the trilogy. One could go on and praise this movie, but he closes with this thought. Gamera Guardian of the Universe is the cornerstone of one of the greatest trilogies ever in the history of this planet's existence. Matt spent most of his life with the opinion that the only monster movies worth watching were made between 1954 and 1975. Matt saw Godzilla 85 on the silver screen, but left the theater feeling underwhelmed. As the years went by, he knew more, he knew more Godzilla movies were being made, but assumed they wouldn't have that old-school charm and was content to keep watching Godzilla and Gamera flicks from the Showa era. Making the mistake of giving into curiosity and renting Godzilla vs. Megaguirus did nothing but affirm his opinion of modern Japanese movie making. But then, Gamera happened. Specifically, Gamera Guardian of the Universe, which he rented only because of what he had read about it at the Shrine of Gamera. Yay! <laughs> and just as Gamera Guarding the Universe spawned the Shrine of Gamera, it reawakened Matt's interest in kaiju movies to the point that he since learned to embrace the modern efforts warts and all. While watching Gamera Guarding the Universe, 
Matt felt like that guy from the old Maxell commercial. You know the one, with the dude sitting deep in his chair getting blasted back by the awesomeness coming off of his TV. So this great movie is responsible for building a shrine and rebuilding Matt's failing interest in the genre. Looks like we both owe something to this movie, eh Kyle? Damn right. Tom K says that while not perfect, Gamera Guardian of the Universe's special effects are a nice blend of the practical and the CGI. The story is also not perfect, but it's a nice blend of action, humor, message, and even frights. The acting is a bit stiff at times, and some events are either too predictable or completely inexplicable. But it's a smooth enough ride, considering. For instance, the kaiju duke it out and shove each other around claw to claw on the ground, even though one has a knife and the other a gun in their mouths. They seem to have forgotten and spent five minutes of the film trying to kill each other in the air. The plot relies on overused devices like Atlantis, monoliths, and so on. Anyone could go on listing the flaws and overused plot device shortcuts. They are plain to see, but none of the flaws derail the movie and snack on what's inside like a boxed lunch. The creators trusted the audience without leaning on the fans to forgive anything as long as giant monsters show up. To distill it, the, fi the film has good pacing, even if it jumps too much at times. At least it never stalls. It has some heartfelt things to say, but doesn't nag. It's not aiming for realism it can't achieve, but focuses on atmosphere and storytelling, and makes the occasionally less-than-stellar effects and acting work by not boring everyone. Tom thinks this is the weakest film in the trilogy, but that doesn't mean it's a bad film at all. It was a very nice comeback for the Titanic Terrapin, as he and Shusuke Kaneko got warmed up. Brandon rented this one from the movie store as a kid. Then in high school, he bought the two-pack Blu-ray, and he thinks Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, is a really good movie. He loves the story, characters, the kaiju, and the music. Every time Myth by Bafuku Slump comes on, he rocks out to it. He loves how Gamera shoots out of the water in the movie. That is pretty awesome. Tom F. loves this movie. There is so much that can be said about it that going into detail would be too much of an imposition on the kaiju cast for a submission to the daikaiju discussions. So he's limiting himself to just one statement that sums up his thoughts and feelings. Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, is the most important kaiju movie of the past 50 years. Brandon was first introduced to this movie in late 1999 when a co-worker at the time and he were talking about his recent purchase of the 90s Godzilla movies. He told Brandon that Gamera had also gotten a reboot at the same time, and he let Brandon borrow the first two films in the trilogy. The first thing Brandon noticed about the dubs on VHS was that most of the American voice cast from the anime Evangelion were in this, and from the first viewing, he loved the film. He really enjoys the goofy Gauss head puppets with their googly eyes at the film's start. The Gamera suit was very good for the reboot, and would get much more monstrous as the films went on. This wasn't the Gamera that he was introduced to through Mystery Science Theater 3000. In closing, Brandon wants to wish us all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and hopefully we can get Son of Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, and Godzilla 1985 on Blu-ray in 2015. Yay. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Paul says that 1995's Gamera Guardian of the Universe is not only his favorite Gamera movie, it is one of his all-time favorite kaiju films, and this would be a terrific film to show to a kaiju newbie. All right, there you have it. That's our homework for Gamera Guardian of the Universe and our last movie of 2014. We're going to 
open up 2015's Daikaiju discussion with Ultraman the Next. Nice. Have you ever seen that one? No, I haven't seen that one. Mm, it's actually pretty good. Um, I don't want to influence you too much, but I will say that it came out the same year as Final Wars, 2004. Okay. Um, it's just not as... You know how we're talking about how this movie, Gamera Guardian of the Universe, holds up? Mm-hmm. It doesn't hold up as well. Okay. It's uh, it's still good, though. And it's a cool... It's another reboot. Right. Like, wait mm-hmm. till you see it. Because you're familiar with the very first Ultraman series. So. Yeah. Um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to say that I need your homework turned in by January 22nd to be included in that episode. Now, keep in mind, we have a form on kaijucast.com. You can go to the contact page and send in your homework there. It makes it very easy for me to find when I'm compiling everybody's emails into one big gigantic show notes section. Uh, also, uh, that's also a cool form for you to do all sorts of things like send in music requests and uh, pickled ginger. Now, we seem to have lost our other <laughs> Daikaiju discussion here. Uh, and since it probably wouldn't be fair for me to test my own knowledge against Brian's, if I've got the answers right in yeah. front of me, then <laughs> be weird. we're going to save that uh, pickle ginger for another episode. And uh, I think we're just going to move on to the news right after we play this one song. Now, we talked briefly about Ko Otani and his work with the Gamera series. And then, of course, he did the score for Godzilla Mothra, King Ghidra, mm-hmm. Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. But he also did the soundtrack for a video game called Shadow of Colossus. Yes. What can you tell me about that game that might interest the listeners as kaiju fans? Ah, it is a great, great game <clears throat> where the you're tasked with taking down 16 giant monsters. Not all of them are major giant, but they're all very coolly designed. Coolly designed? Yeah, sure, they're coolly. Yeah, coolly designed. They're all well designed. <laughs> that sounds so dumb. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about climbing these monsters as if they are levels of a video game, finding their weak spot and taking them down. And the entire game has a Ko Otani soundtrack and it sounds awesome and it looks awesome. Yeah, it actually sounds very, very kaiju-esque. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play Monstrous People Fight with Colossus and then we're going to get into the news and housekeeping events and sort of wrap up the episode. <laughs>
United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So um, we don't have a lot of news to cover, and that's probably a good thing because this is uh, not going to be a massive episode, but it's going to be kind of a long one. Um, <clears throat> Rhodes Reason, the man who played Commander Carl Nelson in King Kong Escapes in 1967 alongside of Akira Takarada, and uh, Ace Amamoto, who played Doctor Who in that movie, he has passed away, and uh, I... You know, it's a sad, another sad loss in the mm-hmm. kaiju front, but uh, that's the only real news that I have to even share for this particular episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bummer, but uh, he has been around for a while, so he's had a long, storied career, yep. you could say. Yeah. I actually watched an episode of Star Trek, the original Star Trek with him yeah. in it, yeah. Do you remember which one? Um, I'd, I'd probably know the name of it if you gave me the plot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the crew goes down to a planet and interferes that with one? some civilization <laughs> that they probably shouldn't. Oh, that uh, one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, ro- did you know he had a brother, Rex Reason? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's a real shame. I know a lot of people are big fans, myself included, of King Kong Escapes. So. Oh, King Kong Escapes is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to play the last song of the episode will be a King Kong Escape song. Excellent. Let's see here. He was, uh, the name of the episode was Bread and Circuses. He played a character named Flavius. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, yeah, that was really the only news I really wanted to cover. There's some really great stuff going on. You should check out the KaijuCast Facebook page if you have not uh been following that i try and share all the relevant stuff when it comes about um the only other things i really wanted to talk about and you know i want to say don't forget to send in your homework before the 22nd if you want to be part of our ultraman the next discussion i wish that was out on dvd legitimately i might have to find a way to finagle a link into the show notes so if you don't have that on dvd and you want it on dvd maybe Look for anything that might have a like little hyperlink attachment to it. But uh, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and move on to housekeeping items that do matter. I hope you've set your calendar, Brian. I have. For January 11th. Yeah. The emergency broadcast returns. Number four, the fourth annual live show, man. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. We're getting our guests lined up. Uh Unfortunately, there's a couple I haven't heard back from, but they were really long shots anyway. So um, I'm getting the guests lined up and getting everything set up. Uh, we're going to do something different for prize giveaways this year. Previously on the emergency broadcast, you had to be listening live. You had to answer trivia questions during the episode in the chat. This time, however... Uh, I need to figure out a way to get people to send in their information, like a, almost like a, a drawing. So mm-hmm. you send in an email with some, with your relevant information. We're going to print them all out, put them in a hat, and there will be specific prize packs that are, uh, that we're going to pull those for. So it's not all going to be trivia. We're going to do some trivia. Their chat room will be part of this equation. The live broadcast, obviously part of the equation. People calling in. Still going to be part of the equation. Nice. It should be a lot of fun. 
Uh, these are generally about two hour ordeals. Um, and I actually have a box of prizes over there, which isn't even everything. NECA or NECA, the same company that makes the Pacific Rim action figures, the Godzilla action figures, uh, they've done two so far and a whole bunch of other stuff. They've supplied some prizes, which are pretty rad. We've got some, uh, cinch sacks, uh, some buttons, uh, two action figures from them, two Godzilla action figures. They, they sent in the 1994 Godzilla and the 1984 Godzilla. Mm-hmm. They look cool. And, uh, we also have stuff from Diamond Select Toys. One of the things, sometimes people send me things and I'm like, I don't want to give this away. The Mecha Godzilla bottle opener. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be part of the prize packs. Not to mention, we've still got a whole bunch of stuff from uh, the 2014 film. There's mm-hmm. a messenger bag, some hoodies, caps, uh, a water bottle, a frisbee that's been quote unquote signed by Hachi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's just a ton of stuff. And like I said, there's more coming. So sweet. I think I can announce that. Toy Vault, the same company that makes like the plush Godzilla slippers. Mm-hmm. I think I can announce that they are going to be sending stuff. Nice. So fingers crossed. There's also another company that I have gotten some good feedback from. They're from Japan. They may be donating something, but I don't want to jinx it. You know right. what I mean? Right. So fingers are crossed. Fingers are crossed. Uh, we got to help get the word out, get as many people listening as possible live. Uh, we're definitely gonna have a blast. It starts 2 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're on the East Coast, it starts at 5 p.m. And, you know, just figure out the math. There are websites that can tell you that, you know, <laughs> if I'm such and such a place and I need something that starts at 2 p.m. Pacific, uh, what time do I need to be there? Uh, and oh, we're gonna have a pre-roll as well. So there's gonna be that whole audio hour-long audio nice. program that I'll put together in my free time uh, to <laughs> play before the episode. And it's going to be a ton of fun. And that is actually our next episode. So make sure you get your uh, that on the calendar and get ready for some awesome times and try and win some rad prizes. Because this is our, without a doubt, this is definitely our biggest mm-hmm. year prize-wise. So Sweet. So it's the end of 2014. I have a little little bit of a year in review thing here. Oh, cool. 2014 has been a banner year for the Kaiju cast. Uh, Just These are not all of the highlights, but these are some pretty big ones. In February, I went down to Fear Festival, which is pretty cool. Kirk Von Hammett put on a convention, and they invited Haruo Nakajima to be there. So I, I was able to interview the original Godzilla, Haruo nice. Nakajima. Uh, that was amazing. Also, Ben Furuya, who played Ultraman. Ultraman, yeah. Got to interview him, although we haven't played that episode yet. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to end up being a bonus at some point. Uh, <clears throat> I co-hosted some Gojira screenings with Mr. August Ragoni in May. That was pretty rad. Got to show him around Portland, too. Also fun. Nice. Uh Obviously, Godzilla 2014 came out, and while I might not love the film right now, it absolutely opened the door for some really cool stuff to happen. So the entire experience of all of all of that mm-hmm. stuff was really rad. 
a positive overall a very positive experience i'd say regardless of how you felt about the movie everyone kind of embraced the idea which was that's unusual for a monster movie it was yeah really, that's really cool so yeah and i mean seriously it my godzilla news feed you could say was blowing up <laughs> yeah. for months and months and months at a time uh i got to interview Kempichiro Satsuma at Big Wow Comics Fest. Freaking yeah. life goal, yeah. right? Oh my gosh. So that's and, my Godzilla right there. And that was an amazing listen, man. I, I really dug that interview. Uh, G Fest this year, we had the Ifuka Bay concert, a fantastic thing that, mm-hmm. that happened. Not to mention G Fest in general was, was splendid. And I got to interview Kuichi Kawakita, who, uh, I mean, I don't want to, pimp that too much but you know if you're looking for information about his career um i'm pretty sure we have one of the only english audio interviews with Mm -hmm. him ever so uh that's in our feed should be available because it was just a few episodes ago another really good really good interview you know and it's so rare to have that stuff in english it's it's so great uh for you to to put that out I feel kind of corny saying that here on it's the okay, show. Yeah. Too. It's all right. It's, but that was another, <laughs> but that was another life goal of mine too, yeah. right? So another, just like it's, it's another great, man. check on the, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, what an awesome year. Uh, then of course, it, if that wasn't enough, I ran a successful Kickstarter campaign yeah. to send me to Japan to film a documentary, which is still being edited, but the documentary was shot. We went, we shot it. That we interviewed amazing people, uh, and you know, it's just been really this fantastic time. In fact, my screensaver just came up on my computer and it's filled with images from that <laughs> trip. So <laughs> that's cool. I feel like I should have some music on and, uh, and just sit here and watch it <laughs> wistfully, but I'm not going to do that. And this has just really been a fantastic time. I mean, there's other stuff too. Rose City Comic Con was amazing. I got to table with my friend mm-hmm. Keith Foster from Big Pimp Jones. I got to see a lot of friends of mine out there that I rarely get to see. I got to see them multiple times this year. That was crazy. Yeah. You know, my buddy David from Seattle, who was the photographer mm-hmm. for the documentary, I saw him at Emerald City Comic Con. I saw him uh, at G Fest and I saw him you know, for the trip and mm-hmm. he's coming down uh, later this week, actually. So nice. You know, it's just really cool to be able to connect with so many people. And, uh, 2014, man, definitely one for the books, if you know what I mean. Yep. It was a big, big year for, for the podcast. So. Without a doubt. Anyway, now I have, uh, said all that I need to say. So if you found the Kaiju Cast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, make sure you point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can see everything that we're about, every single episode we've done, the full schedule of Daikaiju discussions, our contact form is there where you can send in your Daikaiju discussion homework or request a song, send in some pickled ginger. I know we didn't get to that tonight because it's just not fair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, let us know, uh, if you want to hear anything on the podcast and, uh, check us out. Please subscribe to us. Our numbers have gone down recently. I don't know why, but, uh, we sure could use the subscriptions. Really makes things better, to be perfectly honest, to be able to tell somebody, oh, we have X number of subscribers. Yeah. 
and uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it. Get that homework in by no, do, 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 let's see, no later than January 22nd for Ultraman the Next, if you have a copy of that. Make sure to check a link in the show notes for stuff. And uh, I think that's going to be it. Thank you so much to Brian and yeah, Martin for you. coming out and helping with the Dykehydra discussion. Thanks to everybody who sent in their homework. And we are going to close the show with uh, our little tribute to Mr. Rhodes Reason, who was in King Kong Escapes from Toho. We're going to play Starting Up Mechanicong 2 by Akira Fukube. We will see you next year for the emergency broadcast, Jamata. James thinks Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Boy, I have almost said Guardians of the Galaxy every single <laughs> mother at that time. <laughs> okay. I know it's going at the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>